This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 11th, episode 2200. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. On today's show, Karen catches us up on adventures from the last month and shares an endurance tip on avoiding equipment failure. We'll hear from Kristen about our product of the month. Mike Williams will join in to tell us how he recently rode his Mustang a whole lot of miles from Norco to Bishop, California. Cindy Collins comes on to talk about taking over ride management of the Bighorn in, excuse me, the Bighorn 100 in Wyoming. Andrea Maitland gives us a ride report on a new ride in Arizona, and then we'll let you know about some upcoming events taking place all over the country. And that's what's on today's show. Thank you, Jemmy. And uh, Jemmy, this is your first time producing the endurance episode, right? I do believe so, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and for, for Jemmy's benefit, uh, this episode is about people Took who are crazy. Took me a long crazy. time to get here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> and this episode is about people who are crazy and ride for like 24 <laughs> hours straight in their, uh, on their horse. In all kinds of weather. In all kinds of weather, yeah. It's, it's the crazy <laughs> people. This could be ca- ca- classified as the crazy episode every month. And Karen is in charge of crazy. She's been coming on for years in charge of crazy. Uh, Karen, well, Karen, what are you up to now as far as you personally, as far as number of miles ridden? I'm not really sure. I'll have to check. I know it's somewhere between 38 and almost 39,000 miles. That's on a horse. On a horse. And then the two horses I'm riding now, everyone's always asking me, when are you getting a new horse? Well, they're still going through rides just fine. Um, Chief's 24 years old and he's um, like 15 and a half thousand miles. And Bo's 22 and he's over 10,000 miles. Well, f- speaking of long distance, this show, Horses in the Morning, I can I think it officially cla- classifies and qualifies now as a long distance podcast mm-hmm. because we have gone 2,200 episodes over the last 10 years. Uh, we hit 2,200 today, and that's just amazing. I was asking around with the the powers that be and the people who know things in podcasting. And we think that this is one of maybe 10 episodes that has gone this long as far as daily shows. Uh, we think that there, there are not too Thinking many. Thinking about pod fading yet? No, <laughs> no we have, we're not quitting yet. Uh, but yeah, so I think we're one of 10 in the world. Wow. And that's on any, all topics, you know. Well, uh, that's en- enduring. It is enduring. enduring. We are in an endurance race here to outlast all the other (laughs) podcasts in the world. Uh, Good. (laughs) And we're keeping it up. You started maybe six, seven years ago. Uh, Something something like that. I'm going to have to look. Time flies. Yeah, I'm going to have to look and see when when your first day was. I remember it it wasn't too far in. It was when Jamie got pregnant. 
and had to go back to three days a week because she was doing five days a week. And that's when I contacted you and said, let's do this. And you said, I'll do it for a little while. And here you are. <laughs> you know, I always con my hosts into that. Well, let's do it for a little while. And then they never, they just always forget to quit. So Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for, for getting to quit. Oh, don't remind me, Glenn. I'll, I'll remember to quit later. Okay, good. Well, there's so many interesting people to talk to, though. I mean, you think even after all these years, you know, it's still really not a problem finding guests because there's so many interesting people doing the sport in all different types of ways. You know, maybe they're doing AERC rides or maybe they're just doing a long ride across the country or across another country. We've talked to those riders and it's all a lot of fun. Well, and you definitely have the longest running endurance podcast, period. I mean, this is that we're definitely, we definitely qualify in that uh, category uh -huh. as well. But we want to thank all the listeners and all the endurance listeners that stop in once a month. This is always in the top five of all the episodes on Horses in the Morning every month. So thank you to all the endurance listeners who tune in for this episode alone. We appreciate you too. Mm -hmm. And thanks for stopping by. Speaking of which, you, you went out, you did a little few miles over the last month. Yes, we have. We're finally getting back into the swing of things after this this winter was really hard on us. Um, and then, of course, I broke my toe and I had another strange accident um, that I had to recover from. And then my horses had a vaccine reaction. And so it was like we finally got to our first ride of the season, which was the Torrey Creek Pioneer Ride. And that was kind of exciting because we finally have a new Pioneer Ride back in the state of Nevada. We haven't had any for a while. And a Pioneer Ride is a minimum of um, three days and 155 miles. Uh, um, and they offered a limited distance and a 50 or a 55 each day. My horse, Bo, did 105 miles and Chief did 50. And they both did really well in spite of the conditions. And the ride management had a lot to kind of contend with because we had talked before about this ride and it was taking place on a 375,000 acre cattle oh, ranch. This is the cattle ranch lady we had on. Yes. Okay, got and, it. And, and so they were going to, we get to camp. Everybody, and course, let's focus on that for a second. 375,000 <laughs> acre cattle ranch. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, huge. <laughs> and so all the drive out there across, you know, two thirds of the state of Nevada, it rained on us. Mm. And of course, the big black clouds followed us <laughs> all the way as we headed from west to yeah, east. Driving in the it pouring like, down rain with your it, horse trailer is so much fun. Oh my gosh. So then we get there and there, the snow level is like all around the mountains surrounding camp. And it's like, oh no. So they had originally planned to send us up to like 9,500 feet. And they realized they couldn't because there was like, I don't know how many feet of snow up there. So they were out it's there. June. <laughs> I know. They were out there rerouting trail and changing things. And then, of course, it kept raining quite a bit. It rained like most every night. It rained quite a lot. And then even during the day, off and on, it rained. So we had, you know, a lot of muddy footing to go through, a lot of um, interesting water crossings. Uh, one of the days we got hailed on. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, felt like someone's just throwing rocks at you or pebbles at you as hard as they could. Um, but we had the best time ever. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. 
It was great. And uh, interestingly enough, on the last day, because not that many people, you know, wanted to keep going out day after day, but we ended up getting the smart ones quit and left. (laughs) No, no, we had fun. We top 10 and we were last. (laughs) So that was great. Uh, You know, so I think that ride's going to have a lot of potential once they um, hopefully terrain like. Um, it's just sort of high desert Nevada. We've got some sagebrush, pinion scrub, uh, different types of other plants, a lot of grass. So the horses had a good time getting to eat. Um, oh yeah. And it was windy. We had uh, one day where it was hard just with multiple people. You couldn't even get a blanket on a horse cause it was blowing so hard. <laughs> um, but the horse, that's the neat thing about having my horses be so experienced. They went through all the mud, all of those conditions and they had a great time, you know? So it, it was, uh, definitely a ride I would recommend for people giving it a, a try. You know, we didn't, we saw cows. <laughs> yeah, it's a cattle ranch. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, we saw some cows. We only saw a couple of rabbits. There really wasn't, it was, it was kind of interesting because I see a lot more um, stuff out here on my side of the state when, when I ride as far as so wildlife. No, snakes, no, uh, no, no, we did see a snake this last Saturday at the NASTAR ride that we did. So we did see a snake there and a lot more rabbits and birds and lizards, lots of lizards. So you did, uh, so, so I'm, well, I'm glad that ride went well. I know she was putting a lot of work into getting it and the weather certainly didn't help her, did it? I uh, didn't. No. <laughs> so but then, it's a nice facility. They've got a heated building for the ride meeting and awards and enough pins for all the horses to have a pin. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I guess they would yeah. with a ranch that big. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were at the fairgrounds, the Eureka oh, okay. fairgrounds, which is really nice. And then Minus- you did another one. <laughs> and then we went to NASTAR this last Saturday, and, and that ride is a 30, a 50, and a 75. It's the second leg of the Triple Crown that NASTAR does. So for the riders that want to do the Triple Crown, they start out doing the Nevada Derby 50, then the NASTAR 75, and then the Virginia City 100. And um, since we had just done the Torrey Creek ride two weeks before, and, you know, we're just getting our season going, uh, Kaylee and I rode my horses on the 50, and they both did really well there, too. And that was another ride that they had to change the trail on quite a bit because the Carson River is so high, there's no way they could have got the horses across. I mean, it's like literally flooding this week over the banks. So we lucked out there for um, for all the weather that was, you know, not quite so great at the ride before. It was the opposite at this ride. It was like in the mid-70s with a light breeze, sunny blue sky. Uh, the trail got rerouted mostly on roads that so were pretty good. Do they have to go out and footy. remark the whole thing right before the race then? You know, it just depends. I think they they knew for a few weeks that the oh, okay. condition of the river after this winter. And so I think they had already been working on knowing that they were going to have to change the trail. And How do they and test that? that? They just get a volunteer to go out, and if they don't come back, they change the course? <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> one way of doing it. <laughs> Here, you go you cross. Know? If we don't see you again, then we'll change the course. <laughs> I know. But yes, it's it gets it does get a little complicated when they're right, you know, marking trail for three different distances. Mm. 
And then you've got to also arrange for the vet checks for all of them sometime during the ride. And uh, now, and do so, some of these rides still mark trails with horses, or do they use? Four, well, I guess they would have you, to because you can't get four wheelers into some of the places. Well, yes, it yeah, it totally depends on the trail and the conditions. Like the NASDAQ ride, they probably pretty much marked it all with a side by side. Okay. I would guess. And then at the Tory Creek, I know they had a quad that they were using, um, you know, but there are definitely several rides out there where you do have to either mark it on foot or on horseback. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're going to go into your endurance tip. And uh, this is an important one for any rider, not just endurance riders. Exactly. I was going to talk about avoiding equipment failures because... The, you know, <laughs> we've all had them and a lot of it can be avoided simply. I mean, I've seen riders that get out on a ride like, say, Tevis, and they've only gone 10 miles and their stirrup breaks. Mm. So there's stirrup or, breaking is one of the most popular ones. We used to sell a lot of stirrups at shows when we had our, our mobile unit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And girths. Girths, stirrups, uh, and stirrup leathers are another thing. Sure. Yep. Yes, or even hardware. Like I've had a snap break on my reins and then you just end up zip tying it together again. So mostly uh, the the most important thing to avoid equipment failure is to check your tack over all the time on a regular basis, especially if you know you're going out and doing a point to point or out of camp all day ride. You want to go over everything. Check your stirrups for any signs of cracks or fatigue. Check your rigging straps also for cracks or wear or if something looks like it's just stretching out and, and could, you know, pull through Check everything on your bridle and your reins and all the rest of your tack. Check your hardware. Um, sometimes the hardware, you can start to see where it's about to give out on you. Um, you know, and it's always good to carry a couple extra carabiners. Like I said, the zip ties are handy. You can kind of put stuff back together there. Um, if you have Chicago screws holding any of your, um, like, girthing straps together check those for tightness make sure they're tight i usually will put a little bit of loctite on mine because that's one thing i have had come undone one time i did a ride and i didn't know it i could see something hanging off in the shadow underneath the horse it turned out it was his girth and i and i rode for like seven miles without a girth attached <laughs> good that, that, that usually ends a disaster you were lucky on that one i was lucky um if you ride in any kind of hoof lucky boots, you didn't go to climb cougar rock with the saddle not attached that would have uh, went well that, that wouldn't have been fun no no but i do use a breast collar and a crupper so that that's also you know that helps um but on the hoof boots, any hoof boots, check them over. Make sure you see if there's any signs of stress, cracks, fatigue, and especially frayed cables, especially if you're going out on a rocky ride because you don't want to start with the frayed cable. You're going to want to get that fixed. So you, you know, switch to another boot. Um, some items, it's always good to carry extras you know, in your trailer with you if you're traveling and going to rides and events, such as an extra set of reins, an extra set of stirrup leathers, 
um, an extra girth or two, you know, carry extra hoof boots, or if you shoe your horse. I know when I used to shoe and I'd go on a long trip, I'd have my farrier make an extra set of already formed shoes um, to bring along with me in case they did lose a shoe. I could have another farrier nail things on. And then on yourself, you know, a few extra things are good to have, like an extra couple of uh, carabiner clips, a little bit. I'll wrap a, a bit of duct tape around like a pencil or something. Keep that in my pack. Um, and zip ties are also really handy to have. And uh, But the most important thing is to just check everything over, get in the habit of checking everything, looking for fatigue, you know, especially on the stirrups. I've seen several of those different types over the years um, break, and that's no fun. <laughs> no, not for the next 30 miles to get it a could replacement be. set. Yeah. Exactly. And, it, you know, you don't want to not complete a ride because of something like an equipment failure that could have been completely avoided. So um, what do you carry on you? Um, if you no, were going to give I, us a list of the things you carry on you or the horse, you know, in the pack. On me, mostly it's my vet card and my map. I don't really carry a lot on my person, okay. um, but I've been fortunate. My horses haven't ever gone off and left me. Yay. Um, I, and if I have a cell phone, I'll carry my cell phone. Um, on the horse, I always have a hoof pit clipped on the side of the saddle. That way it's easy to reach and grab if you need it. Um, and then inside my saddle packs, I usually carry a small baggie of some sort of feed. So if we, we get stuck waiting in a vet line or I'm waiting for other horses or whatever it could be, I can just pull that out and feed my horse a few bites of food. So we're not just wasting time. We're doing something useful. I always have a little bit of toilet paper or Kleenex, some chapstick, a small first aid kit with like some bandages, a bandana, a roll of vet wrap, um, you know, depending on the, the ride and how far it is, I'll have a, a small tube of like desitin to put on the back of the heels to prevent scratches. And um, I think, and maybe a snack or two. And then of course, a couple of water bottles. Do I know you, that sounds like you, a lot, but it's, yeah, it's, when you need it. Do you carry the, an extra? Uh, you use Renegade hoof boots, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. See how they did in the mucky yucky uh, ride uh -huh. you did. But do you carry an extra one of those? I do. I have you ever have... had to use it? There's been times, yes, where I didn't check my cables for fraying and yeah. I break a cable yeah. <laughs> and then I just, but that's the cool thing is you just hop off and you switch it and you're on your way and it's no big deal. But you never lost and, one, look down and it's, one's gone. No, in fact, I was so happy this last, these last few rides that my horses have done, didn't lose a single boot. Well. And uh, yeah, they, you know, you you kind of get used to, you know, and the horses won't tell you sometimes if they lose a boot, they just keep on going. Right. <laughs> you know, so, but that's the fun part with riding with a junior. My boots all okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And when I go out in the carriage, I can't see, I can't see all of feet either in, in the uh -huh. carriage. So, uh, you know, when Jennifer's going along, then I can say, hey, do the boots look good? Are they twisted? You know, you can, uh -huh. you can have her check that because I can't necessarily see them. Right, yeah. right. 
Well, that's cool. So were there anything uh, anything that stands out to you uh, that happened on either of the rides that you were on this last time? Well, we did have thunder and lightning strike, like literally, like it was instantaneous from when I saw the flash until the boom. And it was loud. I think the horses and us riders all jumped at the same time. Well, you know what that means, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do know what that means. <laughs> that wasn't good. We discussed that, didn't we, in the last episode? <laughs> we did about how close the booms were. Because I had previously thought, oh, when you hear it and there's so many seconds that yeah. it's that many miles away. Yeah. But it's that not. It's true. actually it was like much a half a mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. much closer. And so I know when it happened that quick, it was like right on top of us. Fortunately, it happened right after we had dropped down off of the, the mountain climb. And we were heading away from the storm. And so we kind of got out of there about as fast as we could go in the mud. And <laughs> luckily it didn't follow us. <laughs> Did You said you got hailed on too? We got hailed on. Yes. And it was, it was that can't be any us. fun for you or the horses. No. If you're in the trees, I, think, I guess it helps, but. Right. And excuse me, but no, we, we still had the best time. <laughs> <laughs> we were just happy to finally be on a ride. We didn't care. And and really, as far as being an endurance rider goes, if you've got the right gear, and I had rump rugs on both of my horses, you know, to help keep them from, you know, getting cold or stiff, especially when we stopped at the vet check. Um, but if you've got the right rain gear, you're good. You know, it's it's really not that bad. <laughs> famous last words. You know, it's interesting what you talked about, Lightning. I thought about you yesterday because there was a motorcyclist that was killed on I-75 here in Florida during a storm. I got hit by lightning right on his helmet. Oh, my uh, And he was killed. And they showed a picture. The police released pictures of the helmet, and the top of the helmet had a huge hole in it. The helmet wow. didn't shatter. It was fine, except there was a hole in the top of the helmet. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah. So be careful out there, Karen. Jeez. I know, I know. But you know, once you're out there that many miles, yeah, what you are you going to do? Right? You're out there. Yeah, you got to get back and you can't just stop. So. I know the hikers all they're they're terrified of being on the exposed ridge line above the tree line, being up there uh -huh. and when the storm hits and they always are trying to figure out, "Hey, look, do we need to hold off for an hour or two? We just don't want to be up there where there's no trees at all." Right. And in the high country, weather can change so rapidly. You can start in the morning and not have a single cloud in sight. Have you ever and had then, to get off the horse and hunker down? I, I've done that a couple times. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the horses, I mean, you can hunker down, but what do you... <laughs> yeah, the horse is still standing up, right? <laughs> well, so. you, what, what you do is you get two horses that have metal shoes on <laughs> and put them on each side <laughs> of you yours. and pray, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not very nice thing to say. But <laughs> Here, you have metal shoes. Come stand by my horse. Well, and, and the sad fact is, though, if lightning hits that close to any of you, uh, it's, you're in trouble. Because I know, I know. It, it, I, we had a neighbor where I grew up. It hit our, and actually we were upstairs in the in the bedroom because it was a really bad storm. I don't know why we were up in the bedroom. But the chimney was right by that bedroom. And it was a brick chimney on that house. And lightning hit that chimney. I was the loudest crack I'd ever heard. And blew the bricks a block. 
I mean, wow. in all directions. And that same storm, a second bolt of lightning hit hit the telephone pole, and it traveled through the telephone pole, under the ground, into the neighbor's house, and blew everything out. Oh, my gosh. I've heard of that happening. Yes. Yeah. We oh. had that happen in the big farm we lived in in Newville. Lightning hit the house and blew all the appliances out. Oh, no. Uh, our phone system was a business phone system in that house. It had like 10 extensions. It, the guy who had a business in the house before us, it was like a $5,000 phone system. You know, in the old days when we actually had landline phone systems? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and that blew out. Everything. Wow. The whole thing blew out. We had to have that replaced. And oh, the washer, dryer, the refrigerator, everything was gone because it came through the wiring and just oh blew gosh. everything out. Yeah. So we've had we've had our experience close up with lightning as well. Um, all right, so we're we're waiting for Kristen should be on here shortly with Distance Depot. Um, she's going to talk a little bit about hay bags and options. What do you do while you're on? Uh... Um, well, the the trail right bags that the Distance um, Depot sells. I've been using those for years, and I also use porta grazers. So I usually give the horses both a a you know the option of which one they prefer to eat out of. Like when it was pouring rain, I didn't even put the porta grazers out because they're just the hay is just going to get soaking wet. So we would just put out like a small amount of hay at a time on the ground for him to eat. So because otherwise it was just going to get a trampled up muddy mess. Um, but most of the time I give them both the choice of eating out of the porta grazer or the, the big bag. The bags are great because they're big enough. You can easily put in like maybe three or four flakes of hay. And then I hang them low down on the side of my trailer so that the horses are bending. I like my horses to be able to reach down when they eat. I know a lot of people put their bags up high on the side of the trailer. Um, but I've always been happier knowing my horses are reaching down and eating in a more natural position. So that's what I do. Very good. Uh, you know, wh- what's a porta grazer? It's a barrel that has an insert with round holes in it. And it you put the hay in and then you put the insert in on top. Then the horses have to reach through the holes and they can turn the insert around as they reach through and grab bites we have a square version of that for my pony it's, uh-huh. it's kind of a square version and it, you, you turn it upside down you pull the bottom slides out you put the hay in and then it, okay. it, the top part has the holes you know that uh-huh. that's actually attached it has the holes and and you load it from the bottom and what he has figured out is and we had we had to put extra security on it because he figured out that he could take his foot and beat the thing to death turn it <laughs> over slide the bottom out and get like if there was good bits of hay at the bottom he could then Uh just eat it upside down yes they're too smart yeah Uh so we had to put a little locking mechanism on the to hold the bottom in because he i don't know how that little pony can turn that big thing over but he can does he yes (laughs) yeah and the the nice thing with the porta grazers too because they are like the size of i don't know as a half a barrel my horses can move them around when they eat. So they're not just stuck eating in the same place. All right. Uh, well, we, speaking of hay nets, we got uh, Kristen here from Distance Depot to talk about more hay feeding systems. Hi, Kristen. 
Hi, Kristen. Hi, Karen and Glenn. How are you? Good. Good. Tell us about your hay bag options. Okay. Well, um, we do have quite a few different options. Um, for As far as camping goes, when you are at the ride or on traveling to the ride, I should say, we have some full bale bags that will hold, you know, full, large, three-strand bales. Um, Easy Care has a full bale bag and a half bale bag. Both of them are made out of waterproof vinyl. Um, so again, great for traveling if you have to put the hay or some of your hay in the back of a pickup or on top of a hay rack on your trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really nice bags. We also have some rolling bale bags, so you can put the bale in there, and it has wheels, um, so you can drag it <laughs> in and out of the trailer or where you need it to be, um, as well as uh, Cashel offers a rolling crew bag. So you can put, it has room for your jackets or a sheet, a rain sheet, um, you know, probably some hay you can put in there, um, anything you might need, your electrolytes and so on. Um, and that is on wheels as well, so that will roll too. Um, and then Easy Care has had for many years their deluxe hay and gear bag. Again, another great crew bag. will hold, you know, flake of hay, a rain sheet, your ice boots, electrolytes. Um, anything that you might need at a crew stop or for your crew to carry along um, mm-hmm. while you're on the ride, if you have crew. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I can and fit course, I can fit enough stuff in those crew bags for two horses too. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, they're mm-hmm. good and roomy, and we can also embroider those so you can have your name put on them, um, so that you know they're easily recognizable as yours, which is also nice. Um, and we do have that option on the website too. But as far as hay bags go, of course, we have the NibbleNet, which is a made-in-the-USA product made out of really high-quality vinyl and webbing. Um, not so easy for your horse to destroy. Um, some of the brands out there that are a little less expensive don't last as long. Um, the NibbleNet is a very good quality um, hay bag, and they have, you know, it's a slow feeder, so designed to keep your horse busy longer and great for those that are on a weight program (laughs) uh, and they come in (laughs) in my two um that come in a one and a half and two inch holes so you can choose really little holes or the bigger holes on those pardon me we also have um you know the the normal hay bags that are made out of rope netting and also out of a nylon netting um you know, that we've had for years. They open up really big. You can put a lot of hay in them. Um, Great for traveling um, in the trailer and or at the ride when your horse is tied up and at home too. Um, So nice bags there. One of our most popular bags is the Trailrights Mesh Hay Bag. This Mm -hmm. thing is huge. Um, It it fits a lot of hay. My horse would probably... (laughs) pop if I gave him that hay bag because he would put his head in there and gobble it all up. Um, exactly. So he has to be on a slow feeder, but it is great when you're camping if you have a horse, you know, that isn't so ravenous um, and maybe not on a weight program, <laughs> but because it holds so much hay. They're right. really nice bags too. And they're made out of mesh, so any, you know, sand or anything like that, dust that might get in it would, of course, fall fall through, but it catches all the little pieces that they love so much too. So lots of different options there. 
And I know you have a product called Water and Hole. Yeah, I what want to know that? about this. I have, I have, I've seen yeah. this in pictures, but I've never seen anybody actually use it. Um, I have it. I really like it. So if we're driving and we have a long distance to go um, and we stop for lunch ourselves or we're fueling up, um, you can do this one of two ways. I know some people don't like to travel with a water bucket in the trailer because we know how bouncy it gets back there. Um, this water and hole is a slosh-proof bucket cover. So it just simply Velcros around the top of your regular bucket that you have, and it's made out of neoprene, so there's room for him to put his nose in, but it keeps the water from sloshing out and getting everything soaking wet. Huh. Um, they re- yeah, they're really pretty nifty and great, like I say, if, you're, if you stop and you just want to put a bucket of water up there and you don't, mm-hmm. you know, I sort of have a little tie that I use that holds my bucket up there, but even still, I don't want them sloshing it around. And if you do want to um, travel with the bucket in your trailer, this would be a great option because it would keep it from sloshing out so much. Um, I really think it does a great job. So it doesn't have the little, I know some of them that I've seen have the little Velcro piece that comes over the top, so it completely covers up the top. This one doesn't have that. It actually leaves a hole for the uh, for the muzzle. It actually does, yep. And and you can put grain in there, too. I mean, you know, if, if or mash, whatever you're wanting to put in there that you don't want to slosh out. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he can comfortably put his nose down in there. It's a pretty good-sized opening, yet, you know, stops that water from just sloshing <laughs> out all over the place. So, yeah, it's a pretty nifty gadget for sure. Yeah. That's a good idea. I've never seen that before. Huh. Well, Kristen, give us your phone number and your website. Okay. Um, if you want assistance ordering, you can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349. And our website is www.thedistancedepot.com. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Or Kristen, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Karen bye-bye. and Kristen. Appreciate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Kristen. You too. Bye. Bye. Too many K's in this show. <laughs> All right. Our next guest is ready. Great. Our next guest is Mike Williams. He's a member of the Backcountry Horseman. He recently rode his Mustangs 325 miles from Norco to Bishop, California. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Well, tell us about your trip, why you did it. Well, I was at Mule Day's celebration in Bishop, California a year ago, and the conversation came up about the possibility of riding from Norco to Bishop, California for the 50th annual Mule Day's. Uh, that's a real big deal out here on the West Coast. It's, it's highly attended. Mm-hmm. And many of us have mules and horses. Uh, we're packers uh, in the eastern Sierras or in uh, the Southern California mountains. And uh, I said, you know, I can put this whole trip together logistically. It won't be that uh, difficult for me. I've got a background in transportation uh, and maps are part of my life. Uh, I'm also a wilderness first responder, also uh, search and rescue on horseback. Uh, so I've, I've had a lot of work in the mountains here and reading maps. And of course, now with our technology and GPS and, uh, different programs that are available to the public, uh, putting this trip together for me was just a lot of fun. 
you and uh, you started we, in Norco, we, right? We made the, Didn't you start in Norco? Norco, California, yeah, which is That's like yeah, uh, right. for people for reference, uh, it's uh, southwest of LA, kind of west of LA. Yeah, east, east, east of, of LA. Los yeah, Angeles. sorry about that. East of LA. It's, it's, west of LA would be the water. And, uh, right, right. LA's on the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that'd be in the yeah, water. East yeah, of LA. Might, yeah. Might get a little might get a little wet out there. That's right. <laughs> uh, but and Norco is Horsetown, USA. That's the moniker that's on this town. I've lived here a little over ten years. Uh there's a little over one hundred miles of trails in the city of Norco. And uh that's that's how we live here. We we can do anything on horseback, whether it's going to the grocery store or going to the saloon or or even going through a drive-through. Right. Uh, you can do that here in this everywhere. town. I've been there. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Norco. Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. When we first cool. started this show, Horses in the Morning, Norco invited us out for a week. So we actually did the show live from Norco for a week, and and uh, it was really cool riding to lunch and you know having a little corral for your horse outside the restaurant and then going in and eating lunch and then coming back out and your horse just standing there that was pretty cool <laughs> and it was really cool seeing all yeah, the bars at night bet. for the horses that uh, carry the drunks home uh all lined uh, up there too yeah <laughs> thank god for the horses they know where the house is at <laughs> some of these people all mess oh, right. <laughs> That's funny. so uh so in, in any event, yeah, we left uh, we left Norco and uh, and uh, went out east to a little town called Grand Terrace, and then I uh, took my group up under uh, across the Santa Ana River up Interstate 10 uh, through Colton, California, and dropped into uh, the Lytle Creek Exchange or Extension, uh, just kind of a riverbed really, and. Uh, uh, through San Bernardino County over Cajon Pass and pretty much paralleled the 395 uh, following uh, pole line roads, uh, LADWP trail. That was uh, that was interesting in itself. That's our uh, that's really the access there to our water for Southern California that comes mm-hmm. out of the Owens Valley. And uh, made contact with those people, uh, got permission to cross and. That was really our route, most all the way north. We had a few obstacles we had to contend with, but uh, uh, all in all, it was uh, it was a pretty clean, easy-going trip. Ran into a couple of pretty bad windstorms uh, that were strong enough to be rolling heavy trucks and trucks and trailers over uh, on the 395. As a matter of fact, they closed wow. the 395 to trucks and trailers a few days there. And we were, uh, we were dealing with gusts of wind that were between 70 and 80 miles an hour coming down off the east slope of the Sierras. <laughs> and, uh, when, when a gust of wind that strong hits you and your horse takes a step, two feet to the side, uh, you know, you're getting hit pretty hard. How do you stay on your horse? And, <laughs> Uh, well, I'm a pretty big guy, but, uh, but you know, you, you just, you just like anything, you just stay balanced and, and do what you got to do. It, it, the wind bothered me, but it wasn't as bad as, uh, one of my horses is the big Mustang I was riding. And I happened to be ponying him about that time. And every bush that blew, he thought a mountain lion was coming out of. Mm. So it, that bothered him. It took a little while for him to get used to that, uh, of course, every time a big gust had come up, you know, the horses wanted to turn their butts, you know, to the wind uh-huh. and just face away from them. They're smarter than we are. They they knew better than to be out there. 
but uh, but all in all, we got through it. Uh, a couple of those days that, that we were in the bad windstorms, it was one day it was nearly 27 miles, and uh, wow. we we had a heck of a day on our hands there. Uh, I, I read so, your diary, and you said you were exhausted at the end mm-hmm. of that day. That was a long day. Uh, that was a long day. It was nearly 12 hours, uh, which is, you know, we're not running along there. We're walking along three to four miles an hour, give or take. Uh, took a lot of water breaks, uh, got out of the wind as much as we could uh, a few times. Uh, that particular day, we got sloped out one time. Uh, I had some bit of trouble getting around the uh, the aqueduct, the LADWP aqueduct up here. And we got sloped out. And I knew that it was coming close to that point. Uh, fortunately, there's a lot of stock gates in the Owens Valley. There's a lot of livestock up there, a lot of open range, uh, and mules and horses being, uh, ranged out up there. So there's stock gates and cattle crossings everywhere. Nearly every one of those has a bypass gate. So you can Mm -hmm. open that bypass gate and get your livestock through safely. Uh, at one point we had to cross the 395 up there because we were we were stuck. There wasn't anywhere else we could go. So we crossed over to the east side of the highway and continued on. And uh, we made it through that day without, after we got out of the wind, it was real nice. But uh, that was a tough day. It was a long day for us. And what did you have for support as far as like a support trailer or help with water and stuff? Uh, good question. Our original... Uh, our original eight days, there were four of us that left and two of the ladies that came along, they just had a schedule they had to meet. They only had about a week to go. And so one of their husbands, uh, does a lot of outdoor cooking and camping and that type of thing and offered up to go ahead and cook for us for those first eight days. And we had a little two horse stock trailer that we brought along to carry all of our gear, uh, in a normal situation, I would have packed this. I would have uh, brought a couple of my pack animals along, and I would have packed all of our personal and private gear with us. Uh, so this man, he he drew uh, he drew that trailer up to our pre-planned stops every night, and uh, that worked out pretty good. Uh, he was able to go and resupply the trailer, re-up our water stops, uh, all the water that we required. We had. Uh, two 30 gallon tanks and another 20 gallons of water bottles that we carried with us. And he was going back for water every two or three times a day to make Mm -hmm. sure we had plenty of water for the livestock coming across the Mojave desert. Uh, and then he was able to, you know, make stops at the grocery store or re up whatever we needed for food and, and, uh, uh, that for the horses as well. Uh, and then we had another big trailer, one of our personal ones that we would move ahead every four days and that would kind of be our rolling warehouse. So everything that we felt that we needed for the livestock, especially, uh, was in that trailer. And then whenever we'd get to it, we'd re-up our feed supplies and, and that, and then, uh, we hopscotch that trailer ahead another four days or so and put it at our next big overnight stop where we would give the stock a few days off and ourselves as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell us about your horses. Uh, the two of us that made it all the way up, for me, I was riding, uh, I've got a 14-year-old Mustang. He's 16 one hands, which if you know anything about Mustangs, that's pretty good size mm-hmm. uh, for the Mustangs. 
uh, I rode him the first eight days uh, from Norco to Inukern, California. Uh, he was getting a little sore, and I had my wife bring me uh, our 15 three-hand paint gelding, and I put five days on him uh, between Inukern and I believe to Independence, California, is where I finally got off of his back, and I got back on the Mustang and and. Uh, finished up the last few days with him and ponied the, uh, ponied the other horse. Uh, my other friend, Rebecca Wan, uh, from orange park acres, California. She has a horse from Italy. I don't recall the breed of that horse, but, uh, she's had him quite a few years now, 19 years old. And that horse again, did about six days, and then she switched off to another walking horse that she's got. And uh, the decision was made to go ahead and keep all that livestock with us so we wouldn't have to have our friends and spouses keep bringing us new livestock to make this trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we did. Her walking horses did a, a really good job. They they kept up very nicely. They paced out nicely. Uh, you know, I, I like about a three-and-a-half to four-mile-an-hour pace. Uh, when I'm doing something like this, I like to just keep it simple, but I like the horses to keep stepping forward. Uh, my Mustang is one of those horses that'll match pace with other horses. So if he's riding with a walking horse, he'll just, he'll just keep up with them and, nice. and stay alongside of them. Uh, and if I've got a slow bunch of horses, he'll, he'll slow down and, and do that. So I didn't have any problem keeping up one way or another. So uh, the Mustangs, I can't say enough about him. That, that's the most stoic horse I've ever had. He is tough. Uh, he he will just do about anything I ask him to do, and he is absolutely the the best horse I've ever owned myself. Well, Mike, well, I can't you... I can't think of a better way to end this conversation with you saying that. Um, you know, a lot of my hosts here at the Horse Radio Network have Mustangs, and uh, I know a ton of the listeners do too. So, well, good job. Way to make this ride and, and stay on your horse in 70 mile an hour winds, first of all, uh, and, and to survive it. <laughs> to, would you do it again in a different place? Oh, I would have ridden home if my stock wasn't tired. <laughs> I absolutely would have. I, I would have ridden home. I, I really enjoyed doing this. Uh, and yes, I've, I've got a couple of trips up my sleeve. I won't go into that right now, but, uh, uh, I've got a couple ideas up my sleeve that we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do another much bigger ride than this one. And, uh, yeah, I, I love it. I just love doing this. Uh, when you're out there on horseback like that, and it's just you and your horse, uh, it, it just kind of brings you. I don't know, brings you one with, with you and your horse and nature and, and uh, taking everything in that you wouldn't normally see that people don't normally see when they're going up and down the highway. And uh, there's just this level of, of peace that that comes along with that. So, uh, you know, anybody that can do uh, something like that, if you've got the means and you've got the time, uh, make the time go out there and be on your horse for a few days. Camping on horseback is a lot of fun. It's exciting. Uh, and it's just peaceful to, to be able to do things like this. So, uh, you you know, I, I implore everyone out there to try that. 
And you'll find an article in uh, California Horse Trader is where you can find the diary and also an article with some pictures. So you can find that there. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Well, there you go. That you know, and that was that's kind of a challenging route because you have basically go through the suburbs there of uh, of L.A. and get up to the mountains and then avoid the highways. And, you know, just it's, it, it, when you look at the map, it's kind of a challenging route, and it goes into some. I, I think he must have went through some of the burnt out areas too. Um, Probably on the route he right. took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, let's take a break for a song. We're going to come back with uh, our next guest here in just a few minutes. But first, I thought, you know, that lightning strike you had that was really by your head. Uh-huh. Uh, you had a guardian angel. So we're going to put Templeton <laughs> Thompson on right now, singing her song, "Guardian Angel." She could have passed for a cowboy, the way she carried herself, and that fifty pounds in leather. Put it up on that pony Light as a feather Like she'd done it all her life And she asked if I was ready Handing me the reins And we started out walking Up until that morning She hadn't been much on talking Guess it finally come a time And she said, I've learned more from the back of a horse thing most folks ever get to know you never really know what you're made of till you ride out on your own Just 
Templeton Thompson. You can find all of her music at templetonthompson.com. That song is so appropriate for endurance riders when you think about it. It is. And it, it was just reminding me, like most years I try to make some um, Tevis guardian angels that I give to my friends oh, or to right. the juniors yeah. riding. And I use the tail hair from my horses. And I always put a little note in there. And I've always put, don't ride faster than your guardian angel can fly. <laughs> Look at that. You, well, you, you didn't know you were copying Templeton Thompson. Well, maybe she copied me. Oh, <laughs> How long has that song been out? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to look. I've been doing that for years and years. Okay. Maybe she did copy so, you. Well, you who knows? You but yeah, copy, that's you interesting. You need copyright was... protection. We need to contact Templeton. You need royalties for that. It was sort of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, we talked about earlier that you rode in some pretty uh, horrific conditions, too, at the one ride you did at Torrey Creek, and you were wearing renegade hoof boots, and they stayed on. They did. We were very pleased with how well the boots worked for us. For both of my horses, all the days they did at Torrey Creek and at Nastar, the boots just worked fantastic. The horses did so well in them. And I was just, you know, really happy about that um, just because of the conditions. The last thing you want to do is have to get on and off a lot. And it's just nice. And, And the other thing that that's nice is you can match your colors and your tack so of course my junior she's all matched out in colors um now and she's even got pink renegades for bow which she's quite happy about and um, of course chief i just mostly use orange or red on him but the boots really performed excellently there were a lot of people losing shoes on the trail nailed on shoes and so it was kind of fun because we went through a lot of bogs a lot of mud a lot of water crossings and the boots just were fantastic so if anybody's interested in learning more about renegades go to renegadehoofboots.com look them up they've got several different colors a couple different models the company is really great about helping you uh, size and fit the boots and make any adjustments that you need and Jemmy, you know, it's her first time doing producing the endurance episode, and we were talking about how crazy you all are. Uh, Jemmy, if you go to renegadehoofboots.com, that picture on the cover is what we were ta- is Cougar Rock, which we were talking about <laughs> earlier, and that's Karen. And which horse is that? That's Bo. That's Bo. That's Karen and Bo. You'll see how crazy they are if you go look that's at uh, Renegade Hoofboots. And- He's been over Tevis six times now. Oh, yeah. Y'all are crazy. You're nuts. <laughs> That's you're like insane. And especially because Glenn knows I have a thing about heights. So you're double, triple. You're just insane. <laughs> oh, no Cougar, Cougar Rock's like not that big of a deal compared to later in the ride when you're on these huge giant cliffs in the dark. 
They're riding on paths that are a foot wide. It drops down 10,000 feet, and they're riding in the dark. (laughs) That was crazy. Yeah, no, not me. Never going to happen. (laughs) Well, you know, you just... And thank God you had your girth on in this picture. See, I pay attention. Yeah. (laughs) It's good it didn't break. Definitely. Yeah, she'd been down the mountain. (laughs) And Bo would have kept going. Bo's like, I'm going. I don't know where she went. (laughs) So Bo has climbed that six times? Yes. Well, that's incredible. And I've been over it. Actually, I've started Tavis nine times and I have finished it eight. Wow. So I've been over it actually nine times myself. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's just one of those dramatic pictures that it looks more dramatic than it really is. Like you can see in that photo. No, on I the think Renegade it's pretty dramatic, actually. Well, yeah, but it's like Bo pretty much he's you can see in that picture. He's just walking up it. It's OK. This is why I drive horses, because the one time <laughs> Jennifer took me riding in, in the mountains and we were going straight up and down, it terrified me. And that was it. I was carriage driving ever since then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is why I drive carriages, because of that. I don't right blame there. you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to some other brave soul that we have on the line here. Terrific. Well, we have Cindy Collins, who is a longtime endurance rider. She's also no stranger to riding 100-mile rides, including the Bighorn, of which she is now the ride manager. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Karen. Great to hear your voice. How many times have you ridden the Bighorn now? Well, it's kind of like your Tavis story. I have finished the Bighorn 12 times, which ties me for the most completions. But I have probably started it. Um, I haven't actually penciled it out, but my guess is somewhere between 18 and 20 times. Okay. Um, so it like like most hundreds, you know, it's about a 50% completion rate, at least for the, you know, the kind of classic tough mountain hundreds. So give us some history on the Bighorn. Well, the Bighorn um, actually predates the American Endurance Ride Conference, the AERC. It's been held continuously since 1971. Mm. This will be our 49th anniversary. So next year is the big 50th. Um, This year, we're also the Region 9 uh, Arabian Horse Association Championship, and we're also part of a what we've called the triple trot trifecta with some other ride managers. So we've got some fun team things going on. Um, It's a single loop 100 mile trail um there are a couple of spots where you go over the same trail for about maybe five miles as as part of a loop back in because we lost some trail due to wilderness but um it's pretty spectacular it starts and finishes at the same time Um, it was twice the site of the famous race of champions that's no longer held Mm -hmm. I think one of the big I think one of the biggest compliments to it is that Julie Sir, who's rather famous in endurance circles, said it's the most beautiful hundred miler she's ever ridden, and she wrote it uh, as part of the race of champions. Wow! So it starts at about four thousand feet and climbs to all about ten, and um, it's just especially at that time of year, just an incredibly spectacular ride. Okay, where is it? So that's where, that's kind where of the is it? Story that's of the what... Bighorn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's sorry. It's in Shell, Wyoming. Okay. 
um, and that's where that's where it starts. Um, and our base camp is, um, you know, like many of our rides. I'm I'm sure Karen has talked on past uh, episodes about you know losing land access and losing places to have base camps. It's you know it's hard in this modern time, um, and we've lost several base camps just because of you know. Uh, younger generations selling off ranches and, you know, we just lost access, but we have these wonderful people, Mel and Sharon pitch who allow us to use their home. It isn't anything fancy. It's uh, it's actually out on the desert and it can be very hot there, which surprises people. We can easily be in the nineties there at the base camp mm. and it's desert, but you, you climb immediately. Um, and you're up in the forest, up in the mountains, um, almost right, you know, almost immediately. And since we start at 4 a.m., it's not hot when we start anyway. Um, but our first actual vet check is, it's a lot like Tavis. Our first vet check's at 32 miles. Uh, but we do have a stop and go at 13 miles. So, like a stop and go pulse check. Mm-hmm. But the first vet check is an hour check, and it is at 32 miles. And then you go another 24 miles to the next vet check. Uh, and it's also an hour vet check. And that's Battle Creek 1. And then you um, you do a, a loop. And this is where you have like about five miles of crossover trail where you're on the same trail. As you're coming back into Battle Creek, um, that's a 20-mile loop. And you have another hour check. And then you go from Battle Creek and you start down the mountain. And you go from Battle Creek to Trapper Creek Crossing, which is about 16 miles, and that puts you back down in the desert. And uh, that is not a vet check, but it is a traditional place where crews meet the horses because there's uh, running water there, and it's um, they have access with a paved road. So a lot of crews will meet their riders there because you're just seven miles from the finish. And then you have seven miles across the desert back to the base camp. And how many rider crossings are there? Ooh, oh gosh, I don't know. Lots a few. Of them. Okay. None of them. None of them. None of them deep. Uh, nothing. Nothing quite like the American River uh, on Tavis, but lots and lots of creek crossings. I mean, okay. they're just everywhere up there. So lots of natural water. Water. Too, water's. Okay. Not, oh yeah, water is not an issue at all. We usually do have um, tanks at the vet checks, but even at the vet check, a lot of people prefer to use the running water. So tell us. Kind of describe the trail. What's the trail, the footing? Is it single track or Jeep roads? Okay. Um, like I said, we start in the desert and um, you're, you're kind of heading out across the desert at sunrise. And I know that many of your listeners know you've got the purple and orange and rose and every shade of brown and tan in those rocks. You cross several streams right in that beginning part where you head to the foot of the mountain. And then at the foot of the mountain, you start a about a 5,000-foot climb through a series of um, four major canyons. And all those canyons have running streams. Some of it is um, old two-track, and some of it is single-track. Um, the old two-track that we start the climb on is actually, we the locals call it the Dugway, and it was actually a route that the Army used to ferry supplies on originally. But we, um, we anyway, we head up there, and then you end up, you know, up above 9,000 feet at that point. 
it's really hard to do justice to how beautiful it is on top and even on the climb because you literally can see forever. You can see the Beartooth Mountains, the Absaroka Mountains, the Pryor Mountains, the Wind River Mountains. You've got a view of, wow. of that entire, yeah, that entire area. It's just, it's spectacular. Um, and then, um, you know, you, from the vet check at Horse Creek, um, you're going to head out and you're going to head toward what's called Antelope Butte. There's a ski area now there and a kind of a community center. And we're going to skirt around the backside of that, not to cause any conflicts with other users that day. Uh, but we get just skirt around the edge of that. You're in Quakies, you're on, you're on gravel roads and two tracks for a little while there. Um, but then you're going to head back into single tracks and you're going to, um, you know, skirt around meadows and through trees and you're going to be climbing and you're going to go to the first Battle Creek uh, stop and you'll be there for an hour and that's in a big meadow with a running creek in it. And then from there is our, our loop and our we have a loop because we lost uh, wilderness access. We lost, there's a three and a half mile piece of the trail, the original trail that unfortunately was drawn into the the wilderness area and we were not able to get an, an exemption the way Kevin oh, did. D- different, different time, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, any, anyway, but it's a, it's, it's a spectacular loop. You, you climb up uh, like a Jeep road and you're going to go by two beautiful lakes surrounded by trees and mountains in the distance. And then you're going to drop onto a single track and you're going to, um, you know, start heading down that loop through what we call Boulder Basin. It's all mostly single track, a little bit of uh, old two track, uh, but it's, you know, it's pretty faint. Um, and then this year, um, instead of heading down a cross country piece that we usually do, we lost a little access up front last year at the beginning of the ride through the desert because of land being sold. And so we were actually uh, we actually stopped the ride last year uh, seven miles from camp and had to trailer horses, and none of us liked that at all. Right. So I've actually cut us over. I've actually cut us over on an old um, two track at, uh, to get us back around that loop. So that is one change in the trail, but it it doesn't really change the view or how beautiful it is. Um, it and sounds heavenly. Right yeah. Back into Battle Creek. <laughs> so, um, and then from Battle Creek, you start down that mountain, and you're most of us, the majority of us, are in the dark. You know, from sure. from you know, say eighty miles on, and um, it the stars, and because we don't have any light pollution there, and um, it's it's the skies are pretty spectacular. And is it is there going to be a full moon this year during the ride? Oh, I so wish. Uh, we so wish we had known that uh, Tevis was going to change their date. Um, but we kind of locked in our date off of Tevis, and um, we're going to have a three-quarter moon. Okay. But uh, we've always tried really hard to av- avoid Tevis's date because we didn't want people to have to choose. Sure, sure. So we, we probably, if we had known what was going to happen to Tevis, we probably would have gone with the full moon, but... We didn't, and we already made plans, and people have already made commitments, and we really mm-hmm. need to stick with the date we planned. So sure. a three-quarter month. Well, you know, and, and we've all done hundreds, I'm sure you have, where it wouldn't have mattered anyway because of the cloud cover. <laughs> so 
you, exactly. you know, you just can't predict everything. So, so I see July 12th, you're running a 50 and then July 13th is the hundred. So is that, that a little bit different than how it's been done in the past? It's, well, the ride, of course, like so many of our rides started out with a standalone hundred. There was nothing but the hundred. Um, and people kept begging us to do a 50, you know, we've got changing times. And, um, so we did, we, um, and then last year, this isn't the first year to do it this way. Last year, we tried doing the 50 on Friday and the 100 on Saturday. We have a very small group of volunteers, and most of us are aging, and um, it spreads us out really thin to have 50s and 100s on this going at the same time. So mm-hmm. last year, we tried it, and then we polled, we polled the riders. And they actually said they liked it better. Okay. And that they wanted us to continue it. And some people are even bringing two horses and doing a 50 on, you know, maybe a younger horse uh-huh. um, on Friday and then doing 100 the next day. Or, <laughs> and this is the best part, some people are actually going to ride one day and help the other day, which would really help us out. That is great. So do you still need some more volunteer help? Oh, yes. We can always use good volunteers. Uh, We would particularly be interested in people who had, you know, four-wheel drive type vehicles or four-wheelers, people who are good at taking poles, um, people who are really good with maps and GPS. Uh, Those kinds of people could be immensely helpful to us. And and what would Um, be the best? We're out in a pretty remote. Oh, I'm sorry. What would be the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? If they did want to volunteer, probably the probably the best thing would be to either email me, call me, or you know, uh, message me on Facebook. Uh, You're welcome to give out my number. It's three zero seven two seven two two eight one six. We also have uh, email. Um, We um, you have a a Facebook page for for the right. We do. We have a Facebook page for the Bighorn One Hundred. Um, and we, um, I would love for people to go on there and do that. Um, and it's, it's a little confusing because we have two groups with the word Bighorn in it because we have other rides in the, in the Bighorn Basin. But this particular one is Bighorn 100 Mile Ride Incorporated. And so on Facebook, it'd be at BH100 Endurance. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Cindy, and good luck in July. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. We've thank been you. really lucky with the support. Yep. And um, so many people have have stepped up and helped us this year, and, and we're so grateful. Well, we'll hope that the monsoon rains that have been happening all over the country slow down mm-hmm. a bit before July for you. So we'll, we'll hope for that. <laughs> uh, they will. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Cindy. All right. Thank you thanks, guys Cindy. so much. Bye. Bye. All right. And we're going from uh, Wyoming up there and heading a different direction, aren't we? Down to Arizona. We're going to talk to Andrea Maitland, who just recently did a new ride called the Flagstaff Monsoon Fever with her Mustangs um, with a with a junior rider. Um, welcome, Andrea. Hi. Nice to be on. Well, thanks for joining us again. So I'm looking forward to hearing about this new ride. I love hearing about new rides. So tell us all about it. Yeah, yeah, it was a fabulous ride. Um, even though it was brand new, it's actually a recreation 
of an Arizona riot that ended back in 2000. Um, and it takes place in what's, what's called as the, the Cinders Lake area, um, which is made up of volcanic ash. And um, actually back in the 60s, that area was used to, to train astronauts and test equipment for moon exploration. So it has a little bit of, of, of some history behind it. Um, but what's really cool is it looks like the black sand beaches of Hawaii. So most of the footing is this black vol volcanic ash that winds its way um, through the mountains of, of Flagstaff. And the ride starts at 7,000 feet. So it's, it's a pretty high elevation, which is nice for Arizona because we usually can't get any rides out here in the summer. It's just way too hot um, to do uh -huh. any type of, 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 of endurance. So being able to have a summer ride in, in, in Arizona was, was fantastic. So what's the trail like? So most of the footing was perfect. So you could trot or canter on probably 90% of, of the trail, but the volcanic ash is very similar to sand. Um, and so you have to be, be careful of that because as you know, with sand, it can really be, be tough on the horses. And so even though there wasn't a lot of, of elevation, uh, like big mountains to climb, um, depending on which GPS I, I looked at, I had anywhere from 3,500 to 5,000 feet um, of elevation change um, on the 55, which is what we did. And some of that sand got, got pretty deep. There was, there was one section where the horses were going down a, a fairly steep little hill and, uh, and the trail, and they were, they were uh, buried down to their hocks and their okay. knees um, mm -hmm. going down that, that, that trail. And other places were really hard packed, so um, you, could, you could really move, move out. Um, on the trail, um, it wound its way through the trees um, and the pines up there, and then um, and then there were some sections that were um, you know a little bit deeper and that you had to go a little bit slower on. But it was super scenic. The weather was perfect. Um, one of the one of the interesting things about the the cinders ash is that even though the the weather itself was like in the mid 70s, low 80s, it wasn't too hot. The cinders, because it's black sand, uh, really absorbs the sun's heat. So that second loop out there. Um, just radiated up, so it really felt a lot hotter um, on us and the horses and the riders than than it really was uh, because of all of that heat radiation coming off of the trail. So, what are the trees like? You said pines. Yep, yep, juniper pines. Uh, it really looks just like a regular mountain um, trails up there. So, you, when you think of Arizona, most people think of of desert and cactus. Uh -huh. And up there, it's just like riding up. It actually reminded me a lot of Tevis um, ter territory and the kind of the trees that you would see up, uh, up in the Tevis region. Okay. Were the, was there any water crossings? Uh, no water at all. No. <laughs> There's no waters up, up, so up, up, up there. Um, some of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of, our, of, our, of our rides out, out here actually do go through, through rivers, or, or actually I wouldn't really call them rivers. I call them streams. Uh, but up there, nope, there wasn't any water. So all of the water needed to be provided out on, on the um, trail. Um, and I need to give a shout out to the ride manager, um, Bonnie Miller. About nine days before this ride was supposed to take place, there was a fire. And the Forest Service actually closed the original location of the ride. And so she had nine days and she found a new base camp, 55 more miles of new trail, got all of the logistics done and moved everybody over Wow. Get the trails marked um, in nine days, which is a phenomenal feat. And this was her first time managing a ride, so it was it was quite an effort to get you know not only a brand new ride, but then all the logistics of getting a new ride into a whole new location for all of the riders. And is she going to keep doing this ride? 
Every year? I think so. I don't think this, <laughs> I don't think she was scared off by all the craziness from uh, this year. So I, I think, I hope she does because it was a fantastic oh, ride. Um, and uh, one of the things that also made it really nice is that um, out in Arizona, we use um, a phone app. A lot of our rides have a, a ride with GPS phone app. So mm-hmm. what it does, in addition to acting like a normal GPS where you can follow the trail and see where you are along the um, trail, um, you can also, the app will actually tell you if, it, if you get off trail by more than like 100 feet or so. It actually um, gives you oh, a warning. So instead nice. of, you know, as you know, yeah, it's really nice because as you know, you know, there's sometimes ribbons, you miss them or cows eat them mm-hmm. or they're not in a place where, where you expect, you know, like a, a turn to be. And instead of going an extra mile out of your way and realize you haven't seen a ribbon in a while, the phone will um, tell you very quickly that, hey, you missed, you know, you missed a turn or, or you missed the uh, trail. So it's great. And then the ride managers can also put in extra cues to tell you, hey, you have a turn coming up, you know, turn left ahead, turn right ahead. So it really helps keep the riders on trail um, in case there is any, any issues with the actual navigation from the traditional trail markings. So that was super helpful, especially for a new, for a, a brand new ride. Sure. Cause nobody knows the trail yet. So how was the turnout? Exactly. We actually had quite a bit. We were, it was really nice um, for our rides. I think there was about 80 people who, who, who signed up about half of them, almost half of them were in the 55, which was fantastic. And then we had, um, you know, 20 something in, in the, in the 30. And then I think we had like 16 fun riders who, who showed up. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we put on a 12 mile in, intro ride and, um, and they had a great time. It was, it was super fun to see all of these, these brand new endurance riders and folks who want to get in, get into endurance, mm-hmm. um, come out to a, a brand new ride in the region and really have a great time. So how did your horses do? You were riding Mustangs, right? Yep, I was riding Mustangs. They did really well. Um, my one mare, um, she's built like an Arab, so she never has any problems in in heat or humidity. Um, my big gelding, who was being ridden by my wonderful junior Haley, um, she's ridden him now three times um, in the fifties, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I'm getting my horse back anytime soon <laughs> from her. Um, no, that feeling <laughs> um, on the. <laughs> yes and we and we and we have to give a shout out to you because your your junior inspired us to use the mustang or use the uh the the mohawk on our helmet uh-huh. so me and, and my so junior where our... but and that green we that are... green is green well, let me tell you we are green <laughs> we are green we start i started endurance the first year of the green beans and of course because I was a green bean, I had to go with lime green, and I've never given it up. So <laughs> I, I, I will always be, uh, always be well, uh, green. If they ever um, have to go out and find you, it won't be hard. You'll, you'll be very noticeable. I've, I've been told that more than once. Yeah, the helicopter I, I would just look down and go, well, that's not a normal <laughs> green down there. That has to be her. <laughs> Looks good, though. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Well, terrific. So, Andrea, do you have any more rides coming up soon? Um, yeah, actually, both of my guys are going to uh, take some catch riders through the Tevis Educational Ride. And okay. then um, Lily is going to stay up there, and she's going to be ridden by uh, Lucy Trumbull in Tevis itself. I'm going to cruise this year. Um, and then we have a couple more rides in the fall, and then both of my Mustangs are going to the 100-mile national championships in oh, November. Oh, good. You've got quite a season planned out. Well, good luck to you. I do. I and do. I'll, Thank I'll you probably, so much. I'll probably see you up at Tavis, and good luck to your junior, too. Is she going to yep, be coming awesome. up for Tavis? 
Um, I don't think so, but if I can convince her to come help me crew, I absolutely will. You should. It would be a great experience for her. I think so. It would be. It would be. Well, cool. Well, thank you for joining us, telling us about this new ride. All right. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Well, there you go. We're in full ride season now. And, you know, Flagstaff is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. It's unlike the rest of uh, Arizona. It's just so beautiful. And then, you know, you get up that way, too. Flagstaff and Sedona is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. So... Uh, yeah, it's nice that they have a new ride. It's nice to see some new rides popping up here yeah, and there. Yeah, and and it's you know, um, we are going to have to wrap today up because we're running out of time. Tell we us are. where people can find rides all across the country. Go to aerc.org and click on the online ride calendar. And then from there, you can sort through. You can choose by state or by region, pop up all the rides, see what's coming up, see what um, – you know, is going on under the education link because sometimes they're adding new uh, endurance clinics all over the place. So if you want to go and learn more about endurance, I would definitely recommend a clinic or just to contact a ride manager for any ride close to you and go volunteer because that's a great way to learn a uh, great experience or, uh, you know, find look up an endurance rider near you. Um, if you go to the aarc.org website, the office will be happy if you call them to help you um, find a mentor or somebody that can also maybe take you under their wing and give you some advice or ride with you. Um, or you can go crew at a ride. That's also very um, educational. And, and it's a lot of fun to go and watch and see all these horses out there going down the trail doing what they love. Well, and I want to thank all the listeners, too, for joining us and be, and for the auditors for, you know, actually paying a little bit every month to be part of that group. We really do appreciate your support. And thank you, Karen, for being with us all the all these years. Episode number 2200. I know, 2200. Cool. And I looked at the uh, quarterly numbers, and it looks like we were up about 20%, actually, for last quarter. So the number of listeners is still increasing all the hey. time. And we really appreciate all the new listeners. For those that are totally confused... Uh, we have uh, Jamie's here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Horses in the Morning, and then we have eight different monthly episodes that we do, and Karen is one of those. So Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month talking endurance, and then we have others that talk about training and jumping, and the CHA is here, and, and grooming, and Western episodes, so we have all kinds of other special episodes. I just counted this morning, we have 13 hosts and producers on this show. Uh, wow. That has to be some kind of record other cool. than NPR. You know, that's right up there with NPR, I think. <laughs> so, so you can find today's guests and show notes at horseinthemorning.com. If you scroll down to the middle of the page, you're going to find little banners across the middle of the page. Just hit endurance and that'll bring you to all the past episodes that Karen did uh, all of these years. So you can find all of them there. You can also find all the other shows in the Horse Radio Network on our app, iOS or Android. Uh, tens of thousands of people have downloaded that. And it's a quick, easy way to listen to any of our shows, included, including Horses in the Morning. If you want to get the back catalog, our app and, and your podcast players usually only include maybe 50 to 100 episodes. Uh, you can get all the past episodes just by going to horsesinthemorning.com. Well, thank you, Karen. Where can people find you? Uh, KarenChatton.com. 
It's very simple, and she has a ton of blog posts on there. So if she's written about almost everything in endurance over the last 10 years, and it's on there. So you can go search and find what you're looking for, and it's very educational. So definitely stop by KarenChatton.com. Well, we'll talk to you again, all of you, uh, tomorrow. Jamie will be back, and we'll have a Wednesday show for you. And Karen, we'll talk to you in a month. Next month. All right. Have a good ride. Happy trails, everyone. Wear your helmets. Be careful. That guardian angel close by. (laughs) 